Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. For generations, Lahaina's beauty, culture, and rich history drew artists, musicians, and visitors from around the world. Tragically, it took less than a single day for us to lose Lahaina. In the deadliest fire our country has seen in more than a century. Hawaii's first lady overcome with emotion from the devastating loss after a wildfire destroyed the historic town of Lahaina in the deadliest natural disaster in the state's history. More than 100 people are confirmed dead. More than 800 still unaccounted for. Thousands of buildings have been destroyed, others damaged at an estimated cost of nearly $6 billion. While the cause of the fire is still under investigation, there's mounting evidence that Hawaiian Electric's down power lines played a part. Power line just went down. That whole place was just engulfed. And video from security camera footage at the Maui Conservation Center captured a flash of what could have been an early trigger to the deadly fire. There's a flash, and I think that's when a tree is falling on a power line. The power goes out. Now Hawaiian Electric is facing at least eight lawsuits over its role in allegedly sparking the fires. And some of the lawsuits are seizing on a legal strategy that doesn't require proving negligence. This legal shortcut helped push PG&E, California's largest utility, into bankruptcy and secured fire victims a $13.5 billion settlement in 2020. But the legal argument known as inverse condemnation has never been used in Hawaii courts. Joining me is Shelley Ross-Saxer, a law professor at Pepperdine University. Shelley, tell us about inverse condemnation. If you are familiar with the idea that the government can use its power of eminent domain to actually take someone's property for public use, what we're talking about are things like they need to expand a road. And so they have this power of eminent domain. It's also called condemnation when they determine that they're going to take your property and they will give you just compensation, which is generally the fair market value of the property that they've taken. An inverse condemnation is a claim where instead of the government condemning private property, the private property owner says, government, you have restricted me so severely in the use of my land that you might as well have taken it. So I, the property owner, am bringing a claim against the government saying whatever the government's action, whether it be regulation or some denial of a permit, the landowner can claim 
you have taken my property, you need to pay me just compensation. So that's why it's inverse condemnation is it's the property owner that's bringing the claim against the government, not the government coming to the property owner saying, we need to pay you just compensation and take your property. Hawaiian Electric is an investor-owned company. So how would this work against Hawaiian Electric? Well, first of all, let me clarify a little bit more about the constitutional provision that's at issue here. The Hawaii Constitution, Article 1, Section 20, says private property shall not be taken, and it adds or damaged for public use without just compensation. So if we're looking at the federal constitution, it says, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. However, there are about 27 state constitutions that include that phrase, damage, where the property is injured for a public use. So it's really not that the utilities are taking the property. It's that they have damaged the property while operating for the public benefit. So I just want to clarify that the damage clause, also called a damaging clause, is there in the Constitution, which makes the argument for inverse condemnation relevant to the idea of property that is being damaged for a public benefit. In this case, the public benefit is supplying electricity. And how do you get from the government to Hawaiian Electric, a private utility? That comes by looking at the fact that the government has delegated the power of eminent domain to public utilities, even though privately owned. And so Hawaii Revised Statutes Section 104-4 says, that the right of eminent domain is granted to public utilities and others. So the idea is because these utilities are delegated the power of eminent domain condemnation, that therefore they are also liable for inverse condemnation claims because they are performing a public benefit. Has this theory of inverse condemnation been used in courts in Hawaii? No, not that I can see at all. Although it is clear that Hawaiian Electric Company has used the power of eminent domain to acquire easements, etc. Explain how this was used in California against PG&E. So California, over a long period of time, developed this idea from the California Constitution, which says that private property may be taken or damaged for a public use only when just compensation is paid. The point is, it's the same as Hawaii in that it includes that damaging clause. So... California developed the idea of using inverse condemnation over time when there were property damages from flood control projects. That developed 
beginning, I think, around 1988. And so we have a Southern California Edison case. This was an appellate case. The court said there, we are not convinced that any significant differences exist regarding the operation of publicly versus privately owned electric utilities. And so they concluded that Southern California Edison may be liable in inverse condemnation as a public entity. I mean, does this mean they don't have to prove that Hawaiian Electric or PG&E was negligent? That is correct. So they just have to prove that it was Hawaiian Electric Company that was some kind of nexus to the damage that occurred. But it doesn't have to be negligent because inverse condemnation is not a tort. It's related to the Constitution and the taking clause of the federal Constitution. But also we have in some states taking and damaging. And those states include California and Hawaii. So California, the idea is it's called strict liability, which I think is incorrect because strict liability refers to a tort. So I would say it's just a matter that if the company is acting for a public benefit, It's performing a public benefit, supplying electricity. If landowners are damaged by that activity for the public benefit, then the utility has to pay just compensation for those damages. But this is only for property damages. This is not for personal injury. So wrongful death is definitely not included in this. Absolutely not. That would have to be under tort law. The only thing that inverse condemnation covers is property damages. As far as the relevant provisions in its constitution, Hawaii's constitution mirrors California's. So is this inverse condemnation strategy a slam dunk for the plaintiffs in Hawaii? Oh, no. No, I don't think it's a slam dunk at all because different states have dealt with their own damaging clauses differently. But the idea of the takings clause and the Fifth Amendment under the federal constitution is that we do not want individuals to have to bear the burden that should be borne by the public as a whole. In other words, if Hawaii Electric is supplying electricity to the entire state of Hawaii, that's a benefit to everyone in Hawaii. But in doing that, there were people in Lahaina whose property was damaged as part of that supplying electricity to the state. And because of that, inverse condemnation damagings clause is trying to say those landowners should not have to bear the burden for this public benefit of supplying electricity. Now, how that comes about is maybe everybody has to have rate increases to pay for those damages. But the same applies if the government needs to take somebody's property to expand a road. They need to pay that person just compensation. It's for a public benefit. And so we end up with, you know, 
our taxes probably paying that to the individual landowners. Courts in Hawaii tend to be pretty liberal, and sympathy for the you know victims here, could that play any part in it? Well, I think it could, because, again, it's the whole idea of eminent domain and condemnation and paying just compensation, and then turning around inverse condemnation, regulatory taking, and in this case, damaging. The idea is those individuals should not have to bear the burden of supplying electricity to the state. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip. Who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before, tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And in this case... Hawaiian Electric has a market capitalization of about $2.3 billion, and the potential liability could reach $6 billion. So successful lawsuits here could put Hawaiian Electric into bankruptcy, like PG&E. Exactly. But it's interesting, the bankruptcy court in PG&E looked at California's law and went through it and affirmed that that was the correct interpretation. But California had precedent. Hawaii does not have precedent. So Hawaiian Electric Company is in a different position than PG&E. These class action lawsuits also allege that Hawaiian Electric was negligent, for example, failing to shut off the power lines despite warnings that high winds might blow those lines down and spark wildfires. So if the inverse condemnation strategy doesn't work, then they'll have to prove negligence on the part of Hawaiian Electric. Will that be difficult for the plaintiffs? In this case, I don't think so. I don't know. But certainly there was negligence found with PG&E. So it could be that the inverse condemnation argument won't matter if they do prove negligence, which I think from just things that I've heard, that that might not be too difficult to prove. In terms of the bankruptcy, certainly California went through this too. And so the governor, Jerry Brown at the time, and then Newsom looked at what it would take to keep them from going into bankruptcy because we don't want that to happen to the utilities. And the concept would be we just want to make sure that as a society, and and this is going to apply no matter what disasters we're going to be facing in the future, all of the burden should not fall on individuals when 
the public should be taking care of it because it's part of what we need to do to continue adapting and surviving. So that's why I think it's an attractive concept that doesn't require fault. All it requires is we're trying to spread the cost. And do other states besides Hawaii and California have these damaging clauses? This idea of the damaging clause that's in the Hawaii Constitution and in California and in about 27 different states, this was first pointed out in an article by Maureen Brady in the Virginia Law Review in 2018. And she is a historian who also does property law. And she wrote this article and it said, this article recovers the hidden history of the state damaging clauses. And the reason those were put in was because when we were doing infrastructure like the railroads, what was happening is that the private railroads were given the power of eminent domain. And if they took property to run the railroad track, then that property owner was entitled to compensation. However, when they ran the railroad track, in some cases, they would just leave properties without any access because they dig through a hill to lay the track. And so this devalued other property. And so these damaging clauses were put in, in many cases in the 1800s, the late 1800s, to account for this problem. And Hawaii originally, and this comes out of Molly Brady's article, that Hawaii first considered this language in 1950. And they declined to add the damaging language because they said the state courts are not fully agreed on the meaning of it. But then at the next constitutional convention in 1968, they adopted it. And this, again, is from Molly Brady's research. She said in Hawaii, Delegate Peter Lewis lamented how one Honolulu resident had suffered as an elevated freeway passed feet from his bedroom window, subjecting him to headlights and constant traffic noise. So that was the idea of the damaging clauses. So this inverse condemnation strategy has worked in California cases. Has it worked elsewhere? I've looked at all of the cases that involve this idea of the damaging clauses, which have been used not just for flooding and wildfires, but it's also been used for things like public work. So for sewers, when that's backed up and it's not being taken care of and property is damaged. It's also been asserted when the police have to go after a criminal and they go into somebody's store or house in pursuit of the criminal and they damage the property. And the question is, is that a damaging under inverse condemnation? And there has been mixed law on that. Thanks so much for being on the show, Shelley. That's Shelley Ross Saver, a law professor at Pepperdine University. And that's it for this edition of the Bloomberg Law Show. 
Remember, you can always get the latest legal news on our Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at www.bloomberg.com slash podcast slash law. And remember to tune into the Bloomberg Law Show every weeknight at 10 p.m. Wall Street time. I'm June Grosso, and you're listening to Bloomberg. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.